Welcome to OOO, Out of Office, a La Vie travel podcast, where we chat all things travel and travel planning to help you best optimize your precious PTO. I'm your own personal vacation planning bestie, Capricorn and podcast host, Madison Mazio. I'm a travel-obsessed travel agent chatting with everyday travelers to uncover hidden gems of cities, restaurants, and experiences that you won't find with a simple Google search because life is too short to eat bad food on vacation. Hello, OOO. I'm your host, Madison Mazio. And today we have the crowd favorite, the guest of all guests. My mom is back and we're going to recap our trip. Hello, mom. Hello, Madison. I'm so glad to be here. Especially oh about our fantastic trip. It was the best trip ever. Okay. I'm so excited. I want to dive right in. First, let's give everybody kind of an overview of what our itinerary included. So for us, we, we started in Paris. We determined that we would take an overnight flight, a red eye over to Europe, just because I don't want to miss any time on vacation. So I'd rather spend my time on the plane sleeping. So we arrived in Paris at about 10 a.m. Then we spent a few days in Paris. Then we spent a few days in Aix-en-Provence and then a few days in Antibes, which is on the Riviera, the French Riviera between Cannes and Nice. Yes. And then we kind of talked about this before, but I extended my trip and ended up going to Italy. I went to Milan, Lake Como, Switzerland, and Florence. Oh, and Cinque Terre. Monteresso specifically in Cinque Terre, for those of you wondering. Okay. And I think it's also important to talk about the other little spots we went to. So even though we stayed in Paris and we stayed in Aix-en-Provence and we stayed in Antibes, we saw a lot. We went to Monaco, a whole other country. We went to Ez. We swam in Cannes. We went to Saint-Tropez. We went to Luberon, we went to Reim, we went to Epernay, Champagne, which is like outside of Reim, right? Yeah, I think so uh, a lot. I think in terms of you know, just thinking about what we talked about in a previous podcast about you know trip versus vacation, one of the things that we tried to do was just have a few centrally located stops that would allow us to do some day trips and to see some areas beyond that, but not have to move too much. And so just by having three main locations allowed us to see a lot and still kind of get settled in um, and not feel like we were always traveling in with a suitcase. A hundred percent. And I feel like too, I loved that we got to see so much of the French Riviera, but I was so glad that our home base was in Antibes and Antibes like totally won our hearts. And we'll get into that when we go deep into Antibes. But I think that's what's so important in, in picking your home base and kind of seeing what works for your group before you decide, you know, okay, I've heard Saint-Tropez is amazing. And it was, and we had such a great time, but we were all like, wow, I'm so glad we didn't stay here. When in the beginning it was in the running. 
And I do think that the reason why our locations were so successful is really thoughtful trip planning. You know, we both indulged in a lot of podcasts and trying to talk to people who had gone. We tried to make sure because we were going with a group, talking to everybody about what was some of their must-haves. And that allowed us to kind of look at the map of France and plot out what would be the best route. For example, you know, I really also wanted to go to Bordeaux, but when we looked at all of our locations and what was most important, we would have spent so much more time traveling and not being able to see some of the things we wanted to see. And so it was, it was really thoughtful that we ended up with only three locations to stay and being able to do some of those side trips. So lots of kudos for the thoughtful itinerary planning and really considering where we wanted to be and just you know thinking about the transportation in between and how are we gonna get there, logistics. We, we made it all work, so it felt very seamless. Absolutely, and it was definitely a joint effort. My mom did a lot of the planning too. It was definitely a collab. And Bordeaux, we just will have to visit another, on another trip. Agree. I mean, like, you know, on this trip, I went to Florence a second time and I'm still like, yep, I'm going to be back there. I'm going to be back in that city. I I don't think I would say that about all cities. Like, I don't think I need to go back to Milan or Lake Como, but I absolutely will be back to Florence probably maybe even once a year. We'll see. (laughs) And for me, I like the fact that I had been to Paris and I was excited to show you and dad, some of the places that I liked. And at the same time, the whole rest of the trip was new places for us, which like to explore and experience those together and have that shared experience was so special and memorable. Absolutely. Which actually brings me to my first question, which is what were some of your favorite memories in Paris? What was some of your favorite things? In Paris? Um, So I think what was great about Paris this time for me was I didn't feel like I had to do everything. I felt like we could really narrow in on some of the most important things. And to me, that was not going to the biggest museum, like not going to the Louvre, because I know my art passion is more an impressionist and knowing that there are museums like the Dorsey, the lingerie, it was going to be time better spent at the smaller museums. Also, I think another part of my favorite was where we stayed because I felt like we stayed very close to the Seine in the first arrondissement. And I, I did a lot of research about where to stay And I feel like that was in the outskirts enough, but it was easy access to everything. And no matter where we were walking or going, we were going along the same. So it was was easy to follow. So that was another highlight. And honestly, the, the weird highlight was the croissant place that you woke me up to go Absolutely at the crack of dawn because we had to get the croissants hot out of the oven. It's the number one best croissant place in the whole city. And we were hustling to get there, walking as fast, following Google Maps and seeing all of these cool little areas in the Latin Quarter that I would have never experienced. And then taking that bite of that croissant that was like nothing Uh. ever tasted 
I was like, wow, I feel, I feel a sense of Paris right now with this croissant. And that was a pretty great, because it was, it was not a tourist attraction. It was not, you know, just the Eiffel Tower with a big crowd of people. It was this local croissant place and you could watch them being cooked and it had the Christmas. So I am actually spoiled on all croissants outside of the Latin Quarter for the rest of my life. Oh my gosh. It's so funny because that was going to be the first thing I brought up. Like that was one of the most memorable bites of the trip. And I had a croissant pretty much every day. I went to all these top croissant places that bakeries that I had looked up, but this one I like felt really good about. And she's totally right. I totally dragged her there and we watched them. I even have it on video, take them out of the oven and place them and then hand them to us and bit into it. And they were not only warm, they're like the texture was more buttery. The flavor is more buttery than anything I've ever seen. Crunchy on the outside, like really crunchy on the outside, which that's not what I'm used to, like this crisp and then, but just the, the heated soft inside was amazing. Yeah. But like not doughy, just perfect. Oh my gosh. It was so good. And I feel like we had so many just fun little moments like that because another highlight like is our first sunset where everybody went to bed and you and I just walked at 9 p.m. all over Paris and it was like we were all over the scene and we the sun was gorgeous we saw Notre Dame and sunset and it just like felt like a whole other city than we had just spent all day exploring and I was gonna say another highlight for me which if you would have told me this would have been a highlight I would have said absolutely not was the Eiffel Tower and it's so weird because like of course I remember the Eiffel Tower I visited the Eiffel Tower before but I think this time we saw that we went to the Eiffel Tower three times, you and I yeah. together and loved it every time. I freaking love the Eiffel Tower. I don't <laughs> care what anybody says about Paris, what anybody says about the Eiffel Tower, like the Eiffel Tower is sick. And it was that was every single all I actually went four times because I went one time at the crack of dawn and every single time was special and magical. Yeah, I agree. And we did it like. One was, you know, having the cheap champagne in front of the Eiffel Tower, just like under, like literally we got off the plane and we're like standing with champagne at the Eiffel Tower. And then uh, well, I got a bench. Yeah. And then another time we were like on the boat and then, then we did the sparkling and then we came back um, uh, and saw it, you know, later in the evening for a quick. So yeah, I actually saw it four times. So you were probably five times that, but. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. So yeah. So the first time, like she said, we get a picnic and it's just like, we're in Paris. We have this horrible champagne that we're drinking out of paper cups and we're eating like little snacks, but it's and just we, so we spent way too much for it. And, and I will say another thing I learned, I know this isn't the question you just asked me, but something that I would say I learned was a lot of the work that we did in listening to podcasts and hearing about, you know, what to expect was absolutely right on. Like, for example, you know, you can buy champagne at the, or wine or anything like that at the Eiffel, Eiffel Tower, you're going to spend money on it and it's going to be not so great, but it's there. And sure enough, you know, it was, we were in a hurry. You don't want to try to go find a market. You don't know what you're going to. So just like, let's just do it. We have our food. Let's just buy 
what he's selling and you can definitely negotiate. They have cups and everything. So that was one of those things that I was glad, like I knew about. So I expected, Hey, if we, we want to go and we want to have wine or champagne, it's going to be there. We don't need to worry. Yes. And then, okay. Another solo venture was to see it sparkle. And in summer it is very late. So everybody's in bed and it's quite the trek. It's really hard to get an Uber, which we'll get into that. Cause I think that's something we were both kind of surprised by, but it was so sparkly and amazing, but we were waiting and waiting. Cause we just heard that it turns dark and then it's on the hour. And so we're like, Oh, it's probably going to be this time. And then it's like an hour goes by and it's not till 11. And we have this perfect spot. We have the best spot anybody could have front row. And then this freaking ferry pulls up and docks. So we have to like go to the side of, but, it, and then we ended up walking back, which it was so great that we were stayed, stayed close enough that we could walk back, but it was still like quite a walk. It was, I think it was a 45 minute walk back at 11 o'clock at night. But at the same time, the great thing is by staying right off the same, like I, we had no question about how to get back and it was easy. It was just a straight shot, but that was a day of like 25,000 steps or something because that very same morning was the croissant hike. And then we hiked to the Dorsey. We did a lot of walking that day, but it was good. Absolutely. And, and we definitely felt safe. It was very much bustling. Like, I, safe in Paris. I was like ready to go to the club. <laughs> I was not. Check, please. Uh, and then, so one of my favorite moments in Paris was I had another bakery on my list that I wanted to go check out. And so it was when we were checking out of our hotel, actually, and we weren't going to come back to Paris until the very end. And so I go and I'm like, please, I'm just going to go real quick. And my mom's like, okay, but we have to check out at 11 on the dock. Yeah, because like, we had to catch the train. We were catching the train to Aix-en-Provence. And so at 11, we need to check out and walk to the train station to get the train. So I'm like, like a course. little bit of an ulterior motive. Okay. Okay. So I'm like, okay, I'm doing us a favor. I'm getting us food for the train. We're going to get more bomb croissants. Like maybe we'll even top that one croissant. Yes. Oh my gosh. We ate, I think that one of those every day. Same with croissants. <laughs> oh man. The bread in Paris just, whew. and I get back right at 11, like right on the dot. And my mom is, and I'm hustling. And my mom is waiting outside looking at me with what I take is like almost like disapproval like or like but or like I don't even know what is I don't know what's in my head I'm interpreting it as dis disapproval because I know I don't understand what's going on with her face and I'm like I actually goes, I think you remember that look from the many other times where you were late getting back yeah and so I'm like, like wait I'm but I was just trying not to smile I was just trying to be serious I had a serious yes. Because I didn't want to ruin anything. She didn't want to ruin the fact that all of a sudden, my husband, who allegedly couldn't make the trip, comes out from behind the sign with his suitcase out of nowhere. My jaw literally drops. I, I truly, I like blanked out for a second. I was so, it was almost surreal. I, the only time I've had anything close to this experience was when he proposed to me. And I just like left my body and was like, what is going on? And how fantastic that two times I have been able to be a part of that surprise and keep <laughs> quiet 
knowing that the night before when we were doing that long 45 minute walk from the Eiffel Tower, I was texting back and forth as her husband was jumping on a plane and making sure he got there. So it was fun. She even like changed his name, I guess, to like Airbnb or something. I'm I'm not noticing any of these little details because I'm just like, Paris. All I keep saying the whole time is I wish Eric was here. I wish Eric, I wish Eric tried this croissant. He'd love this croissant. And then it was just so nuts that he got to join us for the rest of our trip. And so then our last day in Paris was also one of my favorite days. We went to Montmartre and it was like, and this is definitely the more like quintessential Paris touristy area, but I loved it. I love seeing the painters. I loved, you know, we got a little swindled with a lock situation, but I still love putting a lock on. And at the same time, like I knew we were going to get swindled with the lock situation because I had read about that. But one thing we did there that I was glad we did, and we ended up doing this actually in most of the cities that we visited, where we sat at a cafe outside with a drink or coffee and just people watched and just were like there and present, Mm -hmm. which is so a part of French culture. So I was glad we ended up doing that that night. And then we just, even then just sitting there being present, we were so into it that it was like, hey, how about if we go to the Eiffel Tower right now? And that's where we ended up going our last night again. And I'm so glad we did. Yes, because my husband wasn't able to go and my dad was also not able to make our original Eiffel Tower runs. And so I, I think I like proposed the idea initially and everybody's like, boo, no, we're not going to the Eiffel Tower. It's not, who cares? It's just the Eiffel Tower or whatever. And then, you know, my mom, my mom saw my vision and she was in for the long haul. So like after we'd been enjoying each other and like this cafe, all of a sudden they start playing one of the songs that Eric and I walked out to in our wedding. And it's like beautiful live music. We're having a great time. We just had a fantastic meal. I had onion soup. No, not French onion soup. When you're in French, onion soup that was amazing. Like, think we were vibing. We had some wine and espresso martinis. And my mom is like, "Why don't we go to the Eiffel Tower? It should be quick. We'll just see I, it." I, I of course, I, she I, says that everyone's like, oh. "I think I said I'm going to throw an idea out. No judging, but I'm just thinking it's our last night. This has been so great. How about if we go to the Eiffel Tower? And what I hadn't anticipated was." We would go by the Arc de Triomphe and we'd go by all these other sites that your husband and dad hadn't seen. So they got another little mini tour and it was fantastic. Yes. And it was sunset, which we hadn't seen the Eiffel Tower at sunset. So we had like gorgeous sunset photos and uh, experience. And then as we're leaving, they play our freaking first dance song, La Vie en Rose. And we danced by the Eiffel Tower. Like it was just such a like quintessential Paris magic day and it just it was it was so special okay and now I kind of want to pivot from all the fun and rainbows to some lessons we've learned I think I hinted at one of them which was about Ubers and how big Paris is so a couple of things with that there's actually a few things with transportation I would do differently in Paris one of the things I knew was that the taxis from Charles de Gaulle to the different zones in Paris, they're standardized rates. And so they can only charge that amount. So I, I knew a taxi was $55 where Ubers are a little bit more challenging to get from the airport, not as challenging as they used to be, but I knew that. And I also knew that the 
cab drivers were going to try to say that you couldn't use a credit card. And I knew that that's not right, that they have to accept credit card. So we did have a little, you know, our taxi driver was not happy with us that I was going to pay with a credit card. Fortunately, we pulled out some euros as a tip, um, but the normal 45 minute taxi ride was about an hour and 45 minutes. And that was like his fare didn't change because they have the standardized rate. So that's why he was mad that he was losing that's why he's money. Mad. But then in, in Paris, I do think Ubers were better than taxis because they were cheaper, but everything takes a while. And it was everywhere we wanted to go was 20 bucks, 20 bucks, 20 bucks, even though it might be only two miles. So if I would have done things differently on that first day, we would have just spent a little bit more time acclimating to the Metro um, because the Metro is fast, it's underground, but even in some of the Ubers, things took way too long because the Paris traffic is so awful. So that's something I would do differently. Yeah, totally. I also want to point out that the only reason we had euros for a tip is because when I went to Ireland and London, I took out euros in Ireland before London, forgetting that they were pounds. And so we we only had that we hadn't gotten any cash yet. That was all we had. Otherwise, we would have paid in cash. Or but he was so mad. We're like, we're giving you a 50 euro tip. You can't be that mad, my guy. Um and that's but and that's another good thing that we had read and like you know, it's better not to get your euros ahead of time from your bank or whatever. It's better just to get them from the ATMs, not at the airport, but ATMs around town. And then it will ask you if you want to accept their exchange rate and you just say no, because then it will be the exchange rate, the regular exchange rate of your bank. And that was really convenient to do throughout the trip so that you're not carrying so much cash with you and you're still getting a fair exchange rate. I give everyone that advice. And also it's way more affordable than bringing like actual dollars and trying to exchange it. Yes. And everywhere we went, accepted credit cards. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing we learned is that if you are wearing a skirt or a dress. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You should be careful walking over the grates. One of my other favorite moments is just mortifying my mom and I walking back from our little sunset walk, just us walking over the grates in our little Parisian skirts and them flying up like over our heads. Like, like people are laughing at a packed cafe next to us, like true Maryland moment. Yes, because those grates are actually where the metro is going underneath. So when the metro passed, like you could be walking across these grates, no air whatsoever. And then all of a sudden the metro, and it was funny. And you would think that only happened to us once, but it actually happened to us twice. So we didn't even learn the lesson after the first time. I think I wore pants the rest of the trip. Oh, so, so funny. That does remind me. So the second time was on our way to this fabulous dinner that we went to that was, was to celebrate my graduation. It was very fancy, like only a few tables. You see the chef, everything is like whimsical and artistic. We had like one of the, everybody's favorites was like seaweed and pineapple. Like it was like, what was it? 10 courses total? Yeah. And that actually was a cleanser, a palate cleanser. Yeah. It was, it was just a palate cleanser. It was, it was fresh and clean. And then we had wine pairings with it. It was, it was delicious. It was a great meal. 
It was fantastic. And that also reminds me that I think another thing in planning our meals, we were going very much based on ratings and where like things that were very highly recommended and where we thought we would be. And then by the time we were going, it was like, we were in a totally different area. So we ended up going somewhere elsewhere. I mean, we went to like the main places we were really excited to go to, or like, and it's always good to have reservations, even if you don't end up going there, obviously. But I think I would have been a lot more intentional with picking places either close to where we're staying, because, you know, you're probably not going to go out after or knowing we were going to end a certain place, but we had such kind of, we, we weren't too rigid in our planning that we had, we weren't always sure where we were going to end up. Yeah, I agree. And I think you, you had a list of lots of different options on our itinerary too. So even though we had reservations, we had to, and then we were just, you know, when we needed to be flexible, we were just like, get out our phone, start looking and finding, you know, reviews and looking at menus and, I would say we did not have a bad meal. I know your thing is like life's too short to have bad food on vacation. Like we did not have bad food on vacation. It was a hundred percent. Absolutely. Because we did research and even when we had to be spontaneous, you know, you do go by the reviews or if it seems like a bump in place, it's probably going to be pretty decent. Also, I, I talk about this and probably all the time, but the telltale signs, if they're outside telling you to come eat and that their food is good, it probably is not good because they, they need to beg. Good food does not need somebody standing out telling you it's good. If there's giant photos in English of what they're serving, like escargot, French onion soup, like, no. So look for the places where they have a French, it's probably only a French menu, or maybe they have an English option or like a QR code and that are popular, but there's not somebody like, and also always, we always walked away from major tourist places. So like, for example, we didn't expect to be so hungry near the Eiffel Tower, but we were so hungry and we're like, oh my God, we can't eat near the Eiffel Tower. That's going to be the worst food. And sure enough, we're like passing, um, these places that are totally popular, but I'm looking at their plates and I'm like, oh my gosh, this looks like it's like Denny's. And so we went a few blocks and just did the extra steps and found super quaint, delicious, amazing places. I had one of the best lunches of my life and it wasn't even mine. My aunt ordered it. Well, and one of the telltale signs was at that particular place, because we'd see someplace that looked good, but then we'd look it up and be like, eh, not so sure. Keep going. But one of the things we saw is like a whole bunch of people at that particular cafe all had their work badges on. So they're mm-hmm. like all the workers from across the street. And so you're like, okay, this is like a local's place and there's not a seat to be had. So yes, we had to wait a little bit uh, because they were all going to be leaving to go back to work, but you knew it was a really good place. And so I was so glad that we didn't skimp on food or just just give in to being hungry without waiting for something really great. Because life is too short to get back from vacation. <laughs> Speaking of great food, let's move on to Aix-en-Provence. Yeah, so that was like, that was a, a surprise to me about how much I really loved the town of Aix-en-Provence. And one of the things I would say 
that we did there that we kind of also did in Paris a little bit is the first day after we arrived, because the the one day was kind of a travel day. Madison and I did some stuff in the morning in Paris. Then Eric got there. We all jumped on the train and we got there in the afternoon, which every time we were going to a new location, we tried to time it for arriving at the new location at a time that was close to our check-in because we all know it's a pain to store luggage. There's lots of ways you can do that. Lots of places in Europe like allow you just to store luggage as a side hustle for some regular legitimate businesses. But we tried to kind of time that well. And so when we got to Aix-en-Provence, the whole next day, we really didn't have a schedule. We had some things that were on the list that people would want to see, but that was so nice. And I actually missed that in our last stop in Antibes that we didn't just have a, a day that was unscheduled. Yeah. But I think that's one of the reasons why we fell in love with Antibes, I mean, with, with Aix-en-Provence, because we just had time to mill around. Again, we had planned an absolutely fabulous dinner the first night. It was in a garden, fantastic service with classic French food and escargot, profiteroles. Yeah. Wonderful atmosphere. But then I just love that was filled with markets. And that's another one where one of the things that we did was twice during that time in Aix-en-Provence, we just sat at a cafe. So one time it was Eric Madison and I had a fantastic breakfast yeah, for like, what was it, like $3? No, it was nine euros and nine euros. And it included cappuccino, latte, espresso, a fresh squeezed orange juice, two eggs, bacon, a croissant, and a baguette for nine euros. Mm, okay. And then right. we were overlooking the market, watching all of the vendors selling their goods. So just sat and enjoyed the time at the cafe so that was great. And I love the cobblestone streets and the shopping and the, the hustle and bustle of the, t- and everybody was just, they could not be nicer in Aix-en-Provence. Yes. It was just, that was such so fun. One night we went to a wine bar. It was always like a pretty, it was pretty bustling there. We had a night where after having a free day of going to markets and the cheese per- and then the meat person and all the different people my aunt made this great charcuterie spread with like fresh stuff from the markets and then had a private chef come and that was so fun we played cards we did this amazing wine tour and we didn't really talk about our champagne tour in Paris but that was amazing we just had really great tour guides which I just feel like is So I I think one of the things that helped with both the Champagne tour and the Aix-en-Provence tour, both of them, we purposely booked private uh, tours where we had some say in the itinerary and that we were able to kind of share with the vendor, all local vendors, this is what we're interested in. This is what we'd like to do. This is what we'd like to see. So for example, in Champagne, it was, you know, we want to go to some of the smaller houses. Yes, we want to see the big names and go um, on Rue de Champagne, but really we want to spend time with some of the more um, lesser known, less commercial vendors. And then in Aix-en-Provence, when we went to the wine tour, I had connected with the um, owner of the tour's 
company to say, we really wanted to go outside of Aix-en-Provence and we wanted to go to Louveron because Louveron is really well known. And we wanted to see lavender fields because it was the, the high time for lavender. And so they put together this itinerary of lesser known and they, they also found the perfect restaurant for lunch. They timed everything so well. Oh my gosh. Lunch was so good. I had like this delicious vegan meal and we had a pitcher of rosé and it was in this little town. It's like a slow, amazing lunch service. Everybody's food was amazing. And I think the great thing is, you know, sometimes people, and I think I said this before, sometimes people think a private tour is more expensive But if you have the right number, which the most amazing thing was because we had already booked our tours when Eric was, let us know he was able to come because we had a private tour, we still could add someone and it didn't matter. We just had to, you know, add the additional person cost, but we had our own, you know, Mercedes van that would fit all of us. And if you stayed longer or you want to go faster, you can do that. So It was, you know, if you're going to be there and you can do it, the private tour, I think I would say our, most of our favorite days were our tour days because it was just our family together doing these experiences. And it was like, they were tailor-made for us. So it was so memorable. Absolutely. And I could say the same thing about our Florence trip with our family, that some of our favorite days making pasta and going around the Chianti region and Montepulciano were agree yeah and okay the most like if oh if we can say anything about Exxon Provence it's their major market and I am so glad we had that was the day we had our tour but we woke up early and made everybody get up at the crack of dawn because I wanted to go to this friggin market and it was we eight o'clock to nine o'clock we would be able to experience the market and then we'd be able to start our tour at nine and it was amazing. It was, I've never seen anything like it. There was giant things of paella. We got all these olives that were left, but we won't talk about that because I'm a little briny about it. Get it? <laughs> briny. <laughs> and, oh, it was like so spectacular. I, I definitely would go back just for the, there's, I've never seen any market like that. Yeah, I agree. Like the market just something to be able to walk around. And again, you realize like they have their market, the one market every single day, which is one that we sat and while we had the breakfast at the cafe the day before, but their Saturday market. And I think it's our Tuesday market or big giant markets. And it's just amazing to be a part of their lifestyle where they all have their, you know, big baskets that they take to market. They're getting all of their stuff. They're getting pre-made foods that are done by the experts in sausage making or experts in paella and or cheese making. And you just see the the love of artisanal food there, which I think spoke to all of our food hearts so much. So I loved visiting that market. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I like got little sausages. I will say my only regret is I was going to get this beautiful lavender towel and Eric and my mom said oh there'll be one in Antibes and then there wasn't and I didn't get one so that's my only <laughs> true and I the other thing I would say in Aix-en-Provence you know we had a lot of you know the restaurants that we booked were smaller restaurants you, you know just like local uh, and 
they're kind of based on their daily specials because they cook what's seasonal. They cook what's in the market. And so one of the things that we did was knowing we had reservations at one of these really well-known local restaurants is we checked the menu that day. And we, when we looked at the seasonal offerings that day, there really wasn't enough variety for the six of us knowing what different people like or dislike. And what um, we had just eaten as well. And so we made a change to where we were going to go that night. And it ended up being a great change because we had been really deep into some really specific French menus. And then we went to one that was a little bit more global that night, just kind of based on where everybody was. And I think that was a really good call. Absolutely. Don't forget to follow Lobby Travel Co. on Instagram. Visit lobbytravelco.com to book your next trip. And remember, life is too short to eat bad food on vacation. If you have the urge to go out and book a trip after listening today, just say Lobby. We'll see you next week.